0: Hello and welcome to this sermon companion video. So what this is, is we're going to be starting a new series, uh, a sermon series this Sunday in the book of 1 Samuel. And unlike our previous series through James, we're not going to cover every single verse on Sunday mornings. That would take a very long time. And not that that's wrong to do, but that's not how we're going to go through this book. Um, but we still want to make sure everything gets covered. We don't want to skip over things. We don't want to ignore things. And so what we're going to do is between sermons... There will be suggested reading for you to do, and there will also be um, these companion videos that will explain some of the key points uh, that are are to be focused on before the next sermon to kind of keep keep you prepared, keep you up to date as the story moves along between sermons. So we're going to start actually in chapter 3 of 1 Samuel, um, and, and in doing that we're going to... Um, we're going to have this companion video to look over the first two chapters. But a little bit of background on 1 Samuel. So 1 Samuel is following the book of Ruth, which follows the book of Judges. And so remember, the, at this time, that God would raise up judges that would, um, would serve him and would help lead the people. There were some good judges, there were some bad judges, and some followed them really faithfully, some didn't. They all made mistakes at some point. The end of that book kind of makes sense, says, there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And so that kind of sums up, how things were going. So we pick up with the story of Samuel. And it talks about a man named Elkanah who had two wives, um, Peninnah and Hannah. And so Hannah had no children and the other wife had children. So as you can understand, as you can imagine at this time in particular, this was a very grievous thing. Uh, it was very hard. And and again, this describes polygamy, doesn't endorse polygamy. Um, but we see some of the problems that this causes. Uh, but Hannah was favored despite having no children. She would get a double portion when they would go to make sacrifices. Um, it talks about how, don't I love you? Or am I not worth more to you than ten sons is what her husband says to her. Uh, but she still grieved so deeply about not having a son. And so they go up there and there's the two priests, or the, the the two priests which are the sons of Eli, and that's Hophni and Phinehas. They were the priests of the Lord. And so they would go there and make sacrifices and, and so she was deeply distressed. She was weeping and she was praying and she was crying and crying out to God. Crying out um, and saying that if you'll give me a son, I will give him uh, to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall touch his head. Devoting him to the Lord, uh, setting him apart for service for the Lord. So she had correct motives um, in what she was going to do. There was, there was I'm sure, some, some self-motivation, not wanting to feel the shame she felt, but also realizing that this child... Uh, would, would be a gift of God if if she were to bear a child, and so she prays this now Eli saw her praying, and so she was praying, and her lips were moving, uh, but no words were coming out, so he assumed she was a drunk woman, and so he kind of tells her, "Hey, you should stop drinking so much and and she says no i am I'm just praying to the lord i'm I'm crying out and said, "I have been pouring my heart out to the Lord for all along. I've been speaking out of my great anxiety." And vexation. So she is talking about how just, uh, just deeply moved, deeply upset she is uh, in her spirit, and she's just crying out before the Lord. And so what we see here is that Eli made an assumption about her, um, but he did interact with her and didn't just write her off completely. And she explained where she was, and then he, we see a change in his reaction to her, and really he encourages her and says, "Let your servant." Uh, then he says. Uh, then Eli answered, "Go in peace, and the God of Israel grants your petition that you have made to him, and so we see that he encourages her. We see that uh, that he is in many ways sort of uh, interceding on her behalf that that God would grant this request uh, for her, and so she goes in his courage and her face was no longer sad. so we can see here one of the things is that when we come into people's situations that are difficult and encourage them on behalf of God and 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 love them in the name of Jesus, that we can be an encouragement to people. And that was what Eli did here. And so she ended up um, getting having a baby and named him Samuel. Um, because, for, for she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. So after he had gone through the process of being raised to the point where he was able, she took him back and gave him. Uh, entrusted him to Eli to serve there and, and to, to follow through with that and and so Eli was not there or Samuel was not the only child that Hannah had but she had more children beyond this and and but Samuel was given to the Lord and so so Hannah prayed and thanks God at the beginning of chapter two. She exalts the Lord, talks about how high and mighty he is that there's other uh, he, he, she rejoices in his salvation. And then she, she makes a, a statement that there is no other God. God is God alone. Uh, that's the, the kind of the summation of what her next thing is. God is God alone. She, she exalts him. She makes sure she, she declares how great he is. Talks about humbling yourself before God. Don't talk proudly. Let no arrogance because the Lord is a God of knowledge. So here's one of the things I want you to see here. We've, been, we've just walked through James. You can see a lot of these similar passages, similar themes, similar um, statements of what we're supposed to do, what we're not supposed to do, evident even just so far in first Samuel right one of the problems we see was was the taming of the tongue being an issue how uh, her how uh, the other wife was was speaking harshly against Hannah and and deriding her making fun of her for this we see how she took her cares to the Lord when she had suffering is anyone of you suffering? Let him pray. She's praying to the Lord because she's suffering because of the shame f- she feels having not born a son. And then she's praising God, talking about humbling yourself before the Lord. Humble yourself before the Lord. He will exalt you. Right? We see this in James. So we're seeing so many things. And that's one of the beautiful things about Scripture. When you read it and you see and you and you, rem- you remember it, you will see things in, in the beginning of the Bible that carry through through the end of the Bible. And it's so beautiful to see this this fullness of of, of Time and it talks about too going on through her prayer here. She's praying and praising God. The Baron has born seven, and she who has birth had many children is forlorn. Uh, the Lord kills, brings to life, brings down, raises up. We see this this idea that we see a lot in First Corinthians, right? Uh, Consider your calling. Not many were weak, or not many were strong, not many were wise. This idea that God uses things that are not what you would expect to accomplish His purposes. You're going to see that through this passage or through this book as well as we get later into the book. Um, But what she's saying here, hey, look, I was barren. I had no children, and God has has blessed me with a child. And and that first child is who God uses to be his mouthpiece to his people and to help uh, lead Israel for a period of time and to institute their first king and oversee some of those things. So that is what we see. Um, We also see that in the New Testament. She talks about the sovereignty of God, how he is in control, how how he is the one who... um, Nothing happens that, that God is not in control of right he He is He is uh, sovereign over all things. He will guard the feet of his faithful ones, uh, so we see this this idea here of how we need to be faithful to the Lord, and how when we seek to be faithful to God, He protects us, He enables us to to live out what we are seeking to do um, and that there are none who can stand against God um, and that all power comes ultimately from God And so then we move here. So after her prayer is over, uh, and so they, so Eli, uh, so Eli, Samuel, the boy, was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli, the priest. And we move from that point on to Eli and his family. And some of the, the reasons Samuel ends up being in this story, being so pivotal in this story. So Eli is the, the priest, and he's kind of helping lead the people. Um, but it says, now the sons of Eli were worthless men. Why were they worthless men? They did not know the Lord. That's a pretty important thing. If you're going to be a priest of the Lord, you need to know the Lord. You need to follow the Lord. And so it talks about how there was this this custom where the priests would would eat of the sacrifice that were, were brought, but they were taking advantage of the people. Before it was offered, before it was given to the Lord, they would take the best portions for themselves uh, and, the, and said, no, you must give it to us now, and if you won't, I'll take it by force. So when, they, when the people would be like, well, shouldn't we... Uh, offer it first, no, give it to us now. If not, we'll take it by force. So they, cont- they treated the offering of the Lord with contempt. They they didn't value following God, being obedient, uh, doing what, what should have been done, but rather they abused their position and took advantage of their position for their own gain and, and disregarded God, did not follow through with him, uh, did not seek to honor him in what they did. And so we also see that Samuel was there and ministering to the Lord. and His mother every year would bring uh, bring him a little robe, and, and take it to him and, and with her husband as they made the yearly sacrifice. So we see that she continued to love him, to care for him. I'm sure that she never forgot about him. And, and Eli would bless him and say, May the Lord give you children by this woman for the petition she asked of the Lord. So her faithfulness, her her devotion to the Lord, her, her giving of her son to the Lord uh, was rewarded realizing the proper place for things right so while Eli's sons are viewing things as being for themselves the office of serving the Lord as being for themselves and for their gain and for their benefit uh, Hannah gave her first son to the service of the Lord she gave him over to the Lord and even though all things belong to the Lord she gave him to be in service for his entire life and it says that the Lord Samuel grew in the presence of the Lord uh, so we think about physically growing he's growing up in in God's presence and he's spiritually growing as well and so Eli was old, and his son he begins to be rebuked. And he kept hearing all that his sons were doing to all of Israel. So they didn't just um, have contempt for the offering of the Lord, but they were uh, living lives that were extremely um, sinful. They were going out doing things they should not be doing. And he kind of rebukes his sons. Why are you doing these things? I'm hearing all the evil things you're doing. And it is not a good report that the, that the people of the Lord are spreading abroad. Um... And, and he's saying that these things are not good, uh, but they would not listen to the voice of their father. And it says, For it was the will of the Lord to put them to death. So, what does this mean? How do we deal with this? One thing that we see here is that they acted, right? The, the sons of Eli acted. They made their decisions, they made their, uh, their choices on how they were going to live their life. And it was fully within the justice and righteousness of God to judge them for their actions. And that's what happens. Uh, they didn't come to repentance. And they were judged ultimately for their actions. But it says again that the, the Samuel continued to grow in both stature and favor with the Lord and also with man. So they continued. He, conti- he continued to follow, to grow um, physically and spiritually. And people saw his obedience, saw his love for God. As He continues to go and it says "And there came a man of God to Eli Eli and said to him Thus says the Lord so it's interesting that Eli is supposed to be the man of God and his sons are supposed to be the man of God But then another man of God comes and shares this indictment against his household against his children saying hey Listen, you you were supposed to do this your children are supposed to do this, but it's not happening You have they have been uh, Disobedient they've placed themselves over me. They've, they have scorned their responsibility so, here's what's going to happen. There's going to be punishment. And the things that, that you have enjoyed and you've, you have done are not going to be the way it's going to be any longer. Uh, your sons are, are both going to die on the same day. Uh, whoever is left in your household is going to look and, and want. And so, what we see here is, is judgment for disobedience. Um, and so, if we want to enjoy um, the favor of God, if we want to follow God and see his blessing, one of the things we need to do is to be obedient. Uh, This doesn't earn salvation. This doesn't earn anything for us. But if we want to walk in God's will and see uh, the the goodness of the things He will do among us, we need to make sure that we are walking according to His will. Uh, We can't put ourselves in the place of God. We can't take these things from us. And we see that in particular in the Old Testament as God intervened in very specific ways and and, and judged people very specifically uh, in their life. Um, So this kind of answers a question, too, I think a lot of times we ask. Well, what happens if we aren't obedient, if God is calling us to do something and and we don't listen? What happens if we feel like we're supposed to do something, but we don't listen to that calling? And this is very clear what happens, right? Eli and his sons had a calling they were supposed to fulfill. They had something they were supposed to do with their lives. Um, But they didn't do it, especially his sons, and and Eli failed in in particular by not rebuking his sons in the ways that he should have, but what happens? God will accomplish his purposes. He will accomplish his purposes. And the reality is, if we aren't obedient, we may not be a part of it. We might find ourselves like Eli or his sons if we aren't obedient to what God calls us to do, seeing what's happening and not being a part of what God is doing. If God, if we won't allow ourselves to be used by God, he will accomplish his purposes with or without us. Uh, and so that's what we see here is that Samuel has been prepared and is being prepared to replace Eli and his sons, because they are not fulfilling what they are supposed to be doing. And so Samuel is growing and being prepared by the Lord to fulfill that which Eli and his sons failed to do. And so that's what we see as we're preparing for this. That we're going to see and talk about the calling of Samuel by the Lord as he as he calls him into his service, as he calls him to, to, to do all the things he's going to call him to do and use him to do in his life for the, the glory of God. Um, but what I want to challenge you with is is as we live our lives are we living like samuel trying to grow in our stature and our our our, um our love for the lord among people are we seeking to be obedient to be a part of what's god's doing are we seeking to live our lives selfishly for ourselves like eli's sons are we seeking to do things for our own benefit rather than for god and to, to serve him because here's the reality is that god will accomplish his purposes we can't thwart god's plans we can't mess up god's plans but what we can do is not be a part of what God's doing. If we're disobedient, if we if we refuse to be obedient, God can and will use someone to accomplish His purposes. That's not us. And so, what we need to seek to do is that, to follow Him in all that we do. So, I look forward to seeing you Sunday, and I hope that we can. Uh, uh, I hope you'll enjoy this time as we go through the book of First Samuel. And again, read First Samuel chapter one and chapter two before this Sunday. We'll see you there.